Welcome to another episode of sasslife.fm. I'm Chris, and Sam, as always, is here with me. How are you, Sam? I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? Not bad at all. I got out skiing earlier this week, and it was dismal. Why do you say that? Basically, just little white patch on the ground, kind of skirting through weeds, but I, <laughs> I had to get out, avoiding uh, dirt chunks and rocks. Wow. I was going to ask, did you, have you guys gotten much snowfall? And it sounds like uh, the answer is no. Well, the answer was no until this morning. So I woke up this morning. Let's see if this works. No. The le- oh, well, maybe you can kind of see out the window. You see a bunch of white there. Yeah, there's, there's some white. All right. Yeah. Nice. So we got about eight inches overnight, which is our first major snowfall of the year. So that got me excited. Went out, snowblowed the driveway, came into this little office I'm renting here and went to go pick up a coffee. And I also learned that coffee for tenants in the building at our coffee shop is free. I I had no idea. I've been bringing it all this time. (laughs) Well, that changes everything. (laughs) It's going to be a good day. (laughs) That's great. I get the sense that you're a winter guy. So this is like your happy place with fresh snow on the ground. Yeah. I mean, I I love skiing. So with that comes the need for snow. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm happy for you. That sounds, that sounds fun. We have none in sight <laughs> around here. So it's been a really warm winter for us so far. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get pounded in January and February, but, but so far it's been really nice. Been able to get out on, uh, still my daughter sells the bike out. So we're doing a lot of walks and uh, really enjoying the, the weather. I think we're, we might hit 70 today. Like there's Holy a, cow. yeah, I mean, it, it, it's with, 60 mile an hour winds. <laughs> that's, that's, that's accompanying it. But I mean, it's going to be a warm one. It's, it's nuts. You don't see that in December in Iowa for sure. No. So your daughter will be out on her bike, but possibly blown over. Blown away. Yeah. So we'll have her on a leash or something, some sort of tether, <laughs> tether system. <laughs> Keep her close. Well, it's yeah. not, sounds like it's not really feeling like uh, Christmas over there. Do you have any holiday plans? We're just going to do the immediate family thing again, yet again for another year. Just, just keep it close. Not really. I we got a ham, you know. So we're going to do a ham. Wait, we're going to make way more food than the three of us could ever eat, you know. So we'll have leftovers for like a week. But other than that, we're just going to hang out, watch some football, and just uh, enjoy enjoy each other's company. Well, that that'll be nice. We're going to actually shift gears and venture out for the first time here. Nice. So we're going to brave. COVID and crowds, and we're going to fly to see my family in Michigan, whom we haven't seen now since uh, a few months before the start of the pandemic. So it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're getting on a plane. That's exciting. Getting on a plane. In fairness, I have been on a plane since things started. You know, we had that nice lull. So So I have been on a plane, but yeah, the whole family has not been on a plane. So we'll be getting on a plane and headed to Michigan, which uh, ought to be exciting. The kids are going to see their cousins whom they really don't remember. And it'll be fun. It is so surprising. Like for, for adults, you know, it's been what, two years roughly. And you take away two years and it's like, ah, that kind of sucks. But when you, when you break it down for the kids, if they're five, six years old or even younger, uh, like my daughter, that's a huge chunk of their life. That's just, this is their normal now. And it really isn't normal. And so it's, it's fun to get back into show them like, no, this is what it's really like. It's not, you don't just have to stare at mom and dad's face <laughs> every day, all day. <laughs> There's other things out there in the world. Yeah. I think it'll be good for everybody. So yeah, that's great. Anyway, what's going on uh, in business, Sam? 
Yeah. So it's been an interesting couple of weeks. I have a new merchant that has come on board and I'm really excited for this merchant. They're, they're in the cosmetic space and I've been in talks with them. Gosh, I think it's been since August. And it's one of those things where overall I'm seeing a really long lead time for a lot of these merchants to onboard into text retailer. And it's not necessarily anything that a problem with text retailer. It's just the nature of what they need to do to start a program. And especially with these guys, because what they were doing is they're starting a completely new brand from the ground up based upon text messaging. So it's not like they're adding text messaging to an existing e-commerce store or to an existing brick and mortar. They're literally building this new brand from the ground up on the premise of we're just going to send you a deal every few days of cosmetics. So the brand is called Beauty Text and the website is mybeautytext.com. And they they just had a lot to get together. So not only did they have to source product, they had to source fulfillment and they have zero experience in the cosmetic space. So this is kind of new for them, but they have a lot of advisors that they're bringing in. And it's really struck me how disciplined and professional they are. They're really approaching this in a smart way. It's the, the the talks that I've had with them over the last few months. You can tell that they just get it and they understand that this is going to take resources and they're, they're willing to put those resources in and that time. Are they a new company, Sam, or are they an existing business and branching out? The latter. They are in, I don't really know much about their their core business, but they they are in this kind of unique like fulfillment I guess it's like like a a box of the month type of thing, but they work with celebrities, but it's not really a box of the month. It, so it, it's it's clear that they know how to source products, and so they they have that core knowledge. And it's a matter of they wanted to branch out into a new way to connect to new customers and a new way to sell. And so they were they were contemplating building their own concepts, and they were very happy when they stumbled upon text retailer because then they don't have to do that. And so but anyway, they 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 launched earlier this month and yesterday they they sent out their first campaign and that went really really well. The thing that really excites me about them is just how fast they've been able to grow their subscriber list just through their the the advisory board and their own context and their old social media. They've hit like 500 text message subscribers in like a week. I mean, it's been been pretty impressive to see. So they're still kind of in that learning stage, but in theory, they'll turn on the the marketing spigot and really ramp it up. But it's it's been exciting to watch so far. I'm I'm very I have a lot of hope for these guys. I think it's a really cool brand that they're putting together. Neat. That's exciting. Yeah. How about yourself? What's new? Oh, let's see here. A couple of things. I woke up this morning and I saw three support tickets come in and I know we've got a software installation scheduled and I don't have to handle any of it, at least frontline. So it was another one of those moments where I thought, this is awesome. I can concentrate on what I need to do. I don't have to shift my day completely upside down in order to handle these inbound. It's like magic. It almost is. Yeah. So it, it's Stuff how it just feels gets done. It just gets done. That's great. <laughs> it's going to get done. So Super psyched about that. Over the last week, I also, a little premature, but couldn't help myself, got a little bit of a sales itch. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to a couple of customers and decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can get them on board with Pipe Tech Project with the new software. And I went two for two. So oh, congrats. Yeah, thanks. They were kind of, one is a smaller contractor. So I think I've spoken before about pushing the bounds of how small I can go on the municipal side, mm-hmm. population wise. and 
trying the same thing on the contractor side. These guys got it. You know, it, it was a perfect opportunity. And so despite raising that base tier price, loved the concept and jumped in. So that was exciting. Again, still a little premature because we're still backed up in, in onboarding, but couldn't help myself. Were these like fresh leads or are they, they, you have a relationship already with your other businesses? They use other products of ours. So these are longstanding relationships and, and we'll get into this probably, I don't know, maybe in January, but as we look ahead to 2022 and some marketing strategies for me, my foundation, you know, where I'm going to start is definitely with existing customers because we have those relationships. Yeah. I need to get better at that. I, I noticed that I did a push early days of text retailer to textiful customers that I thought might be a good fit and kind of announced that to everyone. And I need to go back and really comb through that database of customers, especially those that are in e-commerce that are, that have a product that would be, that would be a good fit for text retailer. So I need to do that too. And you're right. We'll, we'll talk about 2022. I think that'll be the next episode where we do a, the year ahead. This is, this is probably going to be more of a year in review. And then the next episode is what's upcoming in the plan. So marketing is definitely a part of that. Yep. Yep. It, it will be for me too. But just to close that point, I think anything you can do to turn a lead from completely cold, don't know you at all to, hey, we have this slight connection makes all the difference just to get in the door and, and have them listen to you. So yeah, absolutely. Anyway, those were all uh, pretty exciting things for me on kind of a tougher note, made the decision to delay this enterprise beta customers official launch. And and that was hard. We've got this one customer, they're a big contractor, love them, great relationship with them. They have a lot of trust in us and they have the potential to be one of, if not our biggest customer. However, what they need and the beta features that they've been using is very different from what the rest of our current customers are using and what they need. And if you remember, you know, we'll get into this as we talk about our year in review, but if you remember, my strategy was basically to flesh out all of these needed features with beta customers and then slowly integrate them all into that foundational product. So had them ask again earlier this week, hey, when can we officially start doing X, Y, and Z? And I had to say, I'm really sorry. I can tell you soon, but I can't give you a date right now. And that was tough. I really felt like I was disappointing them. It is a tough, and I'll, I'll touch on this too, because that's that's definitely been, customer support is is important to me. And that's always a fine balance of catering to those customers, especially those high profile, big enterprise-like customers. But on the flip side, you can't go off and build custom software. <laughs> <laughs> that that doesn't make sense for the rest of the platform. And that's a really tough balance sometimes. And sometimes the answer of no is 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 the right answer. Yeah, as tough as it is, it's it's generally sometimes the best thing for the business. I hope so. Time will tell. In this case, we still fully intend to support this customer and support the features that they've been using. It's just not time yet. We had to prioritize other things. So tough call, but that was part of it. And otherwise a pretty good week. Good. Great. Well, again, congrats on the new sales and it's all, you know, that's, that's entrepreneurship though. It's always, you have pluses and then you have minuses and it always seems to counter counterbalance each other. Very rarely have I seen a stretch of just like 
all good news all the time. There's always something that's <laughs> that's gonna bring it down a little bit and and uh, bring it back down to reality. Got to stay humble. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we've been talking about 2021 and doing a review. Should we just dive into it and kind of break down how we've seen the past year? Yeah, let's do it. Why don't you start? Tell me sure. about your year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit beyond just 2021, I'm going to start back in November because that's when I actually started building the code base of text retailer. And I kind of break it down into two phases that we've seen. So the first is November of 2020 through May of this year. And that was really me off into a corner, just building my vision of what I thought text retailer was going to be based upon things that I've noticed in the, the text messaging space and just what the core product would need in order to, I mean, for lack of a better term, that minimum viable product. And first customer came on board. It was late, late April, early May, something around in there. So about six or seven months after I started building. And since then, since that May time period, it really has been updates based upon merchant feedback. So there's been a little bit of marketing in there, you know, building a website out, trying to, you know, cater to those existing textful customers, convert people on there, really get those those beta merchants on the platform and start using it. And since then it's 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 just been having discussions with them, still building on features that I that I envisioned would be important, but it was really listening to those merchants, seeing what worked, seeing what didn't, and making changes to the software. So that those have been the kind of the two phases. Just give you some updates on the numbers. So as of right now, I have 17 merchants that are that are on the platform. I've had two merchants that have churned. So at the height, I think we were at about 19 merchants. MRR is sitting at about 4K. So 4,000 a month coming in. And I'm not the greatest at setting goals or tracking, you know, stats. I mean, I'll track them, but I, it's it's not like I set out this year and I'm like I need to have this many merchants and this level of MRR to feel successful. That's something I want to change in 2022. And we'll talk about that next episode. Uh, so honestly, I don't really know how I feel about these stats. What's your gut say? <laughs> it depends on the day. <laughs> it depends on how I wake yeah. up in the morning. You know, it depends on the side of the bed that I roll out of, I guess. You know, so there's there's some days that I'm like, this is really, really great. You know, especially when you look at the community. If you're looking at Twitter and you see all these these founders that are that are struggling to make their first dollar with any kind of product online or any kind of SaaS product, compared to that, it's it's astounding. You know, to get to 4K in arguably six months since it's been launched, it's pretty great. But there's also days where I'm like, it's not enough. I need to <laughs> need to get this machine going because it's it seems like to get to those get those 17 merchants has been a lot of work. That's how SaaS goes. It's that slow ramp that that we see. You say that, Sam, but you also mentioned in the same breath that you haven't really done any marketing and you're saving that for 2022. That's fair. Yes, yes. No, it's basically been glorified landing page, schedule a demo. If you're a good fit, we'll we'll get you access to the platform. But there's been no no outreach that I've done in any way. We're not integrated with any major platforms as far as e-commerce goes. So we're not in any app stores, things like that. So I, I do think there's a lot of opportunity. And and I have to tell remind myself that the goal of this first, you know, six months or so hasn't been to make as much money as possible. It's to learn as much as possible. And so in that sense, I think it's been a success because there have been things that these early merchants, these early adopters 
have exposed about the software that I built as far as like feature improvements that were needed, but also just in general, how merchants are planning on using the platform. And that's something you can only see when people actually send out campaigns and see how their customers react to the campaigns and and those those buying habits. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense that there is that ramp to go from building to learning and then to turn on the fire hose with marketing and enhanced sales. So as far as the 4K MRR, to me, that seems amazing. Seems awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is I compare it to my first SaaS of Textiful, and it took 18 months to get to that 4K level. Now, granted, I was I was working full-time with that product, and so I was only working on Textiful part-time, you know, nights and weekends. But still, 18 months is a long time to stick with something that for the longest time, it was just it's beer money and it was something fun to work on. And it took a while for it to turn into like a real business. And now it's it's what I'm you know, it pays all of the bills. I mean, it's it's what the family uses to support our, our, our monthly expenses, as well as gives me the freedom to go off and build something like text retailer. So but yeah, and when you compare it to that, it's much, much faster and and the ARR or the uh, the average the ARPU you know the average revenue per user on Text Retailer is almost 10x of what it is on Textiful. So that also gives me a lot of hope that I don't need to capture as many customers in order to see the same success with pure revenue numbers that I did with the last platform, which is which is nice. Yeah, you've always said that the one goal you do have is for uh, Text Retailer to surpass Textiful's MRR. So it sounds like the trajectory is set. You've mentioned yeah. the ARPU being bigger, so fewer customers to get there. Sounds like a pretty awesome base to me. Yeah, and I, I just need to remind myself that it, that that the progress is good. But you know, like like everything in, in our world, you want it done yesterday, and you want to, you know. So yes, that you're right. That's the long term goal is for text retailer to meet or surpass where Textiful is, and. I would love to have that as soon as possible, but it's also realizing that it takes time. I mean, Textful has been around for almost six years now, <laughs> and it's taken that long to get there. The other thing that I look back on is just the software itself. So aside from the success of the business, one thing that I do look back on, and I'm, I am really proud, is Text Retailer is by far the most complex software that I've ever built on my own. And so in that sense, there's something to be proud there about. Now, I don't like going out and building complex software for the sake of it. There's obviously an end goal to to turn this into sales, but there's when you look at the code base and you you look at what it achieves and what it can do, it's it uh, definitely gives me a source of pride, which is nice. Yeah, it should, especially since you've done it all solo. We'll see if that changes in 2022, but I can't imagine handling every tenant of the business including the development myself. Yeah, it's yeah, probably needs to change. And that's a little bit of foreshadowing for, for the next episode. <laughs> okay. okay. So how have you been thinking about things over the past, you know, six months since that inflection point? Uh, and and what's your I don't know, what's your guiding light? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. My I would say that and this is true for 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 Textiful as well. I mean, customer support and for lack of a better term, pleasing the customer has always been high on my my priority list. And so I like to say that I follow the money <laughs> in the sense that I will really want to focus on the needs and the features that are requested by my highest paying or highest potential customers. And so I look at the current merchants that I have on Text Retailer 
And there's definitely some merchants on the platform that get it, that are my ideal customer that I would love to find more of. And so it's a matter of talking to them and saying, what's working, what's not. I, I love the phrase, if you could wave a magic wand, how would this software work for you? You know, don't think about the tool itself, but if you could just wave a magic wand, what, what would you like to see? What would the experience be that your customers have, whether it's through text message or something else? And that generally kind of opens them up to not think so much about how do I do this particular thing within the tool? But we kind of abstract it out and just say, well, here are my goals. And that usually gives a lot of insights. I like that question a lot. I'm going to steal that. You know, it's very different from the customer being in the mindset of the software does this today. So yeah, it'd be nice if it did this plus one, right? It's more of magic wand. I can do anything kind of top down, I guess. Yeah, very much so. And, and it also gets them out of thinking about the tool. You know, because a lot of times if they're staring at the software, they're like, well, I could do X, Y, and Z by clicking on this and then go into this section and clicking here. And they're so focused on, like you said, what the tool does today, when really, ultimately, they're using your software to solve a problem that they have in their life. So let's get a better idea of what that problem is or fulfilling a wish, <laughs> you know, that magic wand, you know, so it's fulfilling that wish that they have of here's how I'd like it to be. And then it's our job as the software providers, as the developers, to bridge that gap between where the thing stands today and where what they're trying to achieve. Now, sometimes what they're looking to achieve is bonkers <laughs> and just <laughs> so out there and just not, or at least it's, it's it's something that's nice, but not in the scope of what your software could do in any way, shape, or form. And it you have to be careful not to, I guess chase that that path and and realize when when is something that a customer wants when does it go from this would benefit everyone on the platform potentially versus what we were talking about earlier custom software and that's that's a challenge and because you always want to balance that keeping that customer happy while at the same time not running off on a wild goose chase that's not going to help you long term you know, kind of a corollary to that that I've seen as well is not just the software is never going to do that, but a customer who has this vision of doing something in a very specific way. Say, okay, you know, that's great. And that's great that it works for you. We can get you from A to Z, you know, Z being your ultimate goal. But our vision and what we think will benefit the most customers is a slightly different path than yours. And for some customers, that doesn't work because they have invested so much in thinking through their process and exactly how they want it done. But as you said, that leads you right into the custom software realm. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes you introduce new ways of thinking that are breaking, you know, for a particular customer. A, a great example of this is when I, I had that big rewrite where I had to separate the product concept from campaigns. The downside to that separation is it's now kind of a two-step process. You have to go in, create a product first, and then you can distribute that product through a quick cart or a campaign or even in an email, you know, whatever you want to do. But it's that two-step process. And there were some merchants that are like, it takes me longer to send out a campaign before I just 
threw in the product into the campaign, sent it out, and I was done. And now it's this two-step process. Now, I've watched the videos of this particular merchant and how they're going about it, and they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. So there's a little bit of a training aspect that needs to happen. But it's true. As you kind of develop the software, especially with these early adopters, they get used to, to using your software in a certain way. And in that first six months or 12 months, your software is going to be iterating and changing very rapidly for them. And some people just, that's, that's tough for them to, to, to adapt to that change. The takeaway and something that I think I had not thought of in this way that you mentioned is not just breaking changes code-wise. You know, you're used to like a breaking change on an API or something, but breaking changes in terms of how somebody thinks. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And I forget who said it, but I saw this once that customers don't dislike change. They just like, they dislike how you've implemented that change. <laughs> it's a <laughs> subtle, nuanced way to look at it. But yeah, it just, and it could be as, as simple as like, oh, we rolled out a feature Monday night and they were looking to do a campaign on Tuesday and everything's changed. And so they only, you know, devoted, 30 minutes to that task. And now it takes them an hour and a half or whatever. And that's irritating, you know, from a customer perspective in the long run, it's probably better for them. But again, if they're not envisioning the tool and if they're not needing all of those extra features that you've added, those quote unquote extra features to them, it's just, it's gotten worse. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's always a challenge, but so I guess going back to, yeah, my guiding lights has always been focusing on those, those, ideal customers and what they're looking for to try to build the best software for them without going off the rails while, while still keeping true to that original vision. And so far it's worked. That's, that's kind of the philosophy that I've had with, with Textiful and that worked for the most part. There's times when you can kind of get over, you know, over development and, and kind of fulfill those. A great example with Textiful, we had integrations with a lot of different email providers. So MailChimp, Drip, et cetera. And near the end, that was one of the main growth strategies is get in the integration directories. And I kind of got overzealous with building these integrations. And near the end, I was just, anytime a customer requested an integration, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I can do that. This would only take a couple of weeks to implement, if that. And the at the end result is I ended up with like six integrations that I spent all this time on that like four customers were using total. And it was just, it was a waste of time. Should have said no. And so it's tough to sometimes see the forest of the trees when you get into that mode. Yeah, but it also, you know, there's always going to be some of that. Oh yeah. I, I don't think there's any avoiding it. Yeah. It's funny to hear you say near the end, and I know you're focusing completely on text retailer, but Textiful is still a great product used by many and bringing in a really healthy revenue it stream. It, it is. And anecdotally, things are starting to turn around a little bit. It's been flat, I would say, for the past two years as far as growth. Part of that is I haven't devoted much time to it. But the other part is the main driver, the main customer base was public speakers <laughs> that were capturing emails at conventions or, you know, conferences, and those weren't happening. And so anecdotally, there's more activity that's kind of coming back. And it could have just be one of those things that it was COVID related and it could still keep on going. There's a whole deep dive of what I'm going to be doing with Textiful and the plans, future plans for that and, and what it is. But no, I've, I've been pleasantly surprised at how well it's held up 
with very little attention. That might be kind of a fun show idea because you've got Textiful, I've got some other business interests related. So we focused completely for this podcast on text retailer and a specific software product for me, PipeTech Project, because those are the SaaS that we're concentrated on. But we both have other things going too. So I don't know, might be fun to dive into at some point. I, I think it's important because I mean, that's that's the core. I mean, that's the main way that I'm able to do what I'm doing with Text Retailer because I don't have to worry about, I mean, it's kind of like a fundraise without fundraising. You know, I'm self, self bootstrapping, but it's based upon a product that already exists that's that's out there that just doesn't require 40 hours a week of my time. And so I'm free to focus on something else. And yeah, but there's the big question of what do you do with something like that? Because I think now, especially with COVID kind of coming, coming down, hopefully that these, these conventions start picking up, there's probably a market there still for it. And do you just kind of let it languish or do you let someone else take it over? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, so there's, there's a lot of good questions about what do you do with those businesses? Because on one hand, they're relatively easy to keep around, but on the other hand, they are a distraction, Uh, even though they don't, might not take that much time off your, you know, of your, of your, of your week. It's still there in the back of my mind. There's something to be said for that freedom of just one focusing on one thing at a time. There is. I mean, and your world is a little bit different than mine because my products are all related. I mean, they really do work together as a suite. Some of them are, you know, led by a partner company of ours. But at the end of the day, it's really a suite of products for us where yours are two completely separate products. Yeah, they're, they, they really are. Even though they, they both deal with text messaging, they're, they're different use cases, completely different use cases. And, um, I've been asked, can you combine them? Can you, can you put them into some sort of the way that they talk to each other? I'm like, it doesn't really make sense. And so, yeah, yeah. it'll be fun to see, but for now we're still looking back. We got a little foreshadowing there for 2022, you know, and it was so funny to hear you start out with, I'm going to divide into these sections or these date categories because I look at it the exact same way. You know, I was really splitting my time and attention pretty evenly between pipe tech project and some of our other products, maybe even less than evenly, maybe pipe tech projects was not getting my full attention, but come August made the decision to go all in and really do what needed to be done to get pipe tech project to a place where it could be successful. And I think, you know, I look at that as a turning point for me mentally, and it's easier in hindsight to say I was, I was kind of scared I mean, we've got this reputation in the industry. I was coming off a decent exit, so I had built up a reputation that way. The other products are well-respected, you know, and, but man, it's a lot to live up to. And it's going to take a lot to get PipeTech Project to where it needs to be. I mean, you know, basically being honest with myself and saying, what I'm doing right now is dabbling and not taking the risk I need to. It makes me feel good because there's no deadlines. The cash outlay is significant, but not really significant. And reputationally, you know, I've got beta customers using it and testing it, but I'm not taking that risk either. And so come August was that moment where I said, do I want this or not? And decided I did. So that was, that was my inflection point. That was my turning point. Did you see a point where it could have gone the other direction where you just kind of said, yeah, that was fun, but that's not really, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take it to that next level. 
Was that really a consideration? Hmm. I don't know that I would say it was really a consideration. I mean, I forced myself to consider that option. The option I was taking off the table was to continue doing what I was doing. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So I took that away and said, okay, what's the choice here? You either either move forward or you stop, and stopping isn't an option. So (laughs) that was basically it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, and, and I did try to consider it. You know, I did definitely look at, okay, what would things look like if, if I just stopped? I mean, I, I could do that now, but you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm a competitive person. I'm having fun. I, it, I didn't consider it super seriously. So going forward was it. And at that point, that was when I looked at ramping up hiring, making sure that we wove all these beta features basically into, you know, pulled them back, developed that foundation so that we could actually grow forward. Yeah, it was a total total turning point there. I feel like it kind of threw things into chaos because I went from managing the product in slow growth mode. It was just one developer and I and and we were kind of, you know, working on it as we saw fit to now I've got a couple different developers on board. I've got a customer success manager on board. And I'm actually devoting other resources toward marketing and spinning that up, et cetera. So it, it was definitely a big moment and it definitely threw things into chaos because I went from having one project on Pipe Tech Project to 50 of them, you know, and everybody needing something. That was fun, but definitely tough, definitely a lot more hours into it. It was exciting though. And, you know, the hires have kind of stabilized. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you know, couple of support tickets coming in that I don't have to handle. I'm going to actually jump on a call with our UX contractor after this call. So different set of tasks, but super stoked. And it's moving things forward at a much more rapid clip. And anecdotally, again, looking back, what was I thinking when I was just kind of plodding along? This product is huge and it requires so much. It was never going to get there if I had kept that pace. (laughs) <laughs> huh it's almost like you're uh talking to me right there <laughs> yeah i've had those thoughts uh yeah 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 i mean you can be a little self-delusional but but you feel really good and when you are that way <laughs> well but i mean but it kind of goes back to the situation where where both of us were were in early days is you have these other products that are paying the bills and you're you're kind of in this comfortable state and being comfortable is a tough place to kind of get that drive going. You, you got to really kind of dig deep to, to move that forward. It's when you're in that uncomfortable space of, hey, I got to get some customers or I don't eat. <laughs> that's, that's a big motivator. Yeah, it's a privileged place to be. And, and I'm really thankful that I'm there. But at the same time, you're so right. And that's where it was so comfortable to just kind of play at this product development and not not go all in right so yeah i guess protecting the ego (laughs) (laughs) but here we are so that was a huge turning point for me we've i feel like the dust has settled after that inflection point after the hires have been made they've settled into their roles but we're still left with a lot of projects that are ongoing but but I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right word here. You know, I don't want to say half finished because of course they're half finished if they're ongoing, but that aren't getting the 
attention they need and aren't getting the systematic planning with the understanding that we can't do it all. You know, So for example, we're trying to build out a little customer management platform because we have different customers using different products and we really need to bring all that together for our customers. That's an internal tool that you're building out? Yep. In, internal tool because customer success is really struggling to say, okay, which customer are you? What products do you have? You know, it ties into billing and making sure that's all running seamlessly. But all these little things that yeah, I've started with it, you know, I'm paying Retool 10 bucks a month for their basic plan to make that dashboard. But <laughs> is it really going to happen? And should I spend zero time on it and just say, we'll revisit this, you know, at this date? Or should I continue to push it forward very, very slowly? And in doing so, take away from some of our other priorities. So kind of circling all the way around to things I'm looking to improve in the coming year, that that systematic planning with with ruthless honesty and cutting is something that needs to happen and could only happen at this point now that the dust has settled and I can look at the, the remnants of all the different projects we do have going. Well, not only that, but you have a better understanding of the capabilities of the team. You know, and when I, when I plan out my stuff, I'm just looking at my own bandwidth of what can I achieve? And I'm poor at that. <laughs> I can't estimate that that well. Everything's two weeks and it never is, you know, that type of thing, uh, let alone what your team can do as a whole. So it takes you time to understand as a leader, what are they capable of? How much can you put on their plates and realistically get done? And sometimes I, I, I love the idea of talking about internal tools. It's so easy to get caught up on building features for the product and improvements for the product. But sometimes you really have to plan in, we're going to take four five, six weeks, whatever it is to really nail this internal tool. And we're not going to do anything else or for the most part, not anything else because it's so important to the business. Because when a customer calls up, our customer service team needs to know who the heck are they and, and how important are they to the business and and really have an understanding of what, what they need. So sometimes it's just a matter of planning out and putting that internal tool on the roadmap, as painful as it is. Yeah, but also being really honest with where it properly fits on the roadmap. Because you know, if I look at just that push and pull, I've got that internal tool that desperately needs to be built. But we're also at a point now with Pipe Tech Project where that foundation is there and we need to start integrating some of the feature branches that the beta customers are using. So that's going to ultimately bring us more money and it's going to make those beta customers happy. So those are two really critical, really important things. And frankly, we can't do both at the same time anyway. And I think we'd get into kind of a mythical man month scenario if we tried to bring on more developers to help with one or the other at this point. So how do you choose between two really important, really critical things? And that's just something that we're going to have to grapple with. And I think that's, that's always there. You know, you never have enough time and enough resources when you're starting something new. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, sometimes that can be a reframing. It's just how you as the the company looks at those things and just being like, it's okay if it waste, you know, it takes another month. And other times it's not. <laughs> it's just, you just got to deal with it. And it's hard to know where that line is because you don't want to put undue pressure on yourself. You know, sometimes there can be pressure that you, that you create that's kind of, for, it's kind of made up, you know, it's, it's, it, it's not real, but you, you still have that desire to push yourself. And other times it, it really is real and it needs to get done because you're disappointing customers, you're disappointing employees and you just got to get it, get through it. Yeah. Yep. And I think there's going to be a little bit of 
can this be a Google sheet or can this be done in a different way? So not just reframing, but also cutting back on the ultimate vision, even if it means redoing it from scratch later. Yeah. If you can get to that 80% point, you know, it does 80% of what it needs to do. That might be good enough for right now. And like you said, it might not use those no code, no code tools. If you can, if you can get get by with it, because sometimes speed is better than completeness. Yeah, exactly. But kind of concluding on that, that year in review. So, you know, big push August, we've got beta customers using various feature branches. We've got hiring that's happened. So different areas of the business are actually off my plate and being handled much better than I was handling them. And we got the foundation of the product built. So that's something I'm really proud of. But just like you mentioned of, (laughs) I don't know exactly how to feel. I also wish we were further. Right, right, right. Well, I I do have to say looking, I mean, all that since August, which is not that long ago, that's, that's a handful of months. The amount that you've achieved and accomplished is, is pretty astounding in that amount of time. So kudos to you. Well, thanks. Sometimes you need to hear that and that feels good, but then you go right back to work because we got a lot to do. So the next episode is going to be completely different because all we're going to talk (laughs) about is the stuff that we're doing wrong that we need to improve. So we'll take this little pat on the back and nice little, Hey, thumbs up, but then, Oh, it's back to, Oh, we're doing things terribly. (laughs) Yeah. Then, then back into it. And I should mention too, you know, I, I, I'm not going to get into specifics, but we do have revenue coming in the door and we do have a healthy paying customer base already. So small, but healthy, I should say, but we're, so we're happy with that too. I mean, it's, it's been proven out with dollars behind it and that's always validating. That is great. I mean, it's one thing if you have that team in place, you're building this, this, this product and no one buys it. (laughs) That's, that'd be a tough place to be. So I think both of us are at that. We've proven the concept there's there's potential here. I know I'm looking forward to getting to that point where it's like not only is it proven, but I'm default alive, and it's just now it's let's turn this into what I want it to be, whatever that is, and we're not really worried about is it going to make it. And do you have a revenue threshold for that? I mean, how are you thinking about that? My next milestone is the you know the typical 10k a month of MRR. That's it's obviously not where I want it to be long term, but that's always you surpass that and you're feeling pretty darn good because worse comes to worse. You can carve out a really, really nice salary out of that and you have a nice product. And so, yeah, that's, that's probably my next milestone that I, that I'm seeing. Awesome. Well, what are you into Sam? Have you had any time to get into anything over the past week? I actually have. So I, I pulled the trigger on a black Friday deal and this is a brand that I've been looking at for a while now that kind of piqued my interest, but they, it's a coffee. And so it's a, it's called flow state coffee and it's by this company, this brand called new wave. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's kind of interesting because their, their whole thing is it's branded for creativity and productivity. It's coffee with this, uh, I'm looking at the bag right now, L-theanin and raw cacao <laughs> that's, that's blended in. Their whole claim is that it's supposed to give you the caffeine without the shakes, without the jitters. And I have to say, I've been, I've been drinking it for, for about uh, a week or so, and it's just nice. You know, it's just, it gives you this kind of even feeling. I, I don't know if it's because the caffeine is lower than what you're normal normally expecting if it's these other additives if it's the placebo effect but it just feels good and the other nice benefit is it's that 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 raw cacao in there it's not chocolatey 
but there's definitely a little bit of that flavor coming through. So it's just a nice cup of coffee. So I've been pretty pleased with it so far. It's it's something that I that I that I like and I'll probably stick with. So I check it out. I'm gonna have to try it. I actually have used uh, L-theanine before, just as a supplement. To I, I use it for two things. One is to take the edge off if I've had a little too much caffeine. It will definitely mellow things out. Not medical advice, of course, but, right. uh, but it, <laughs> in my world, it, it tends to work. I also use it as part of a little sleep cocktail. Oh, uh, nice. I, okay. I'm a pretty poor sleeper and trying to improve that with all my biohacking. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> in quotes. But yeah, little combo of magnesium and uh, chamomile extract. Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. And if you really want to try it, the chamomile is kind of funny. It gives you very strange, vivid dreams. <laughs> Instead of going out to the desert and uh, trying some some fun inspiration, you're, you're just doing it every night in the comfort of your own bed. I like it. <laughs> Something like that. And again, not medical advice, but, but that combo works well to knock me out. Well, let me let me know if you pull the trigger on this because it'd be interesting to see what your your readouts say as you're using. You, know, you can maybe do some you know regular coffee one day and the new wave coffee the next day and see see what it does for you and what see the what the aura is. ring says. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lots of experiments exactly. planned. Yeah, but, but that combo is not what I'm into this week. I am into something that everybody knows about, but it still blows my mind when I look it up, and that is various repair videos on YouTube. No matter what you need done or what you need to do, you can find it on YouTube and you can find some kind of very solid instructional video telling you exactly how to do it. My latest was my snowblower was kind of puttering and I know nothing about engines at all, but YouTube pretty quickly led me to diagnose it as a gummed up carburetor. Oh yeah. Again, yeah. I, I didn't even really know what a carburetor did, just that it was an engine, but it told me how to take apart my carburetor, fix my carburetor all for a $2 can of carb cleaner. There you go. And in about an hour, I fixed the engine. So thanks. Thanks to YouTube. And just a reminder, you can find just about anything repair wise on YouTube. And, and that's a, that's a great use case because when you have, what'd you say, eight inches of snow on your driveway and you go to fire up the <laughs> that snowblower and it doesn't start that's not a good feeling <laughs> nope but thanks to youtube i had mine ready to go tuned up and carb cleaned there you go that's awesome well i think that i think that's that's about it so i think we can call it this is the last episode of the year so 2021 in the books we'll say goodbye perhaps good riddance depending on the perspective but yeah the next one we'll dive into 2022 and what we i guess our hopes and our aspirations for it so that'll be exciting to get into Sounds good, Sam. Have a wonderful holiday and I'll catch up with you next year. That sounds great. You as well. 